0: Eric Carlson's in town. Now, it was just Cranberry yesterday, but it'll be Pittsburgh proper today. And I got to tell you something, that has not stopped being cool just yet. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, the other two teams in town that I cover the Carlson introductory press conference will take place at 2:30 p.m. today inside PPG Paints Arena's media room and it'll be the first chance for Carlson to speak to the Mammoth trade and any trade involving someone of his pedigree is Mammoth that brought him here and it'll be the first chance to hear from him his Unfiltered thoughts on becoming a member of this organization. The reason I throw in that qualifier is that a couple of weeks ago, Carlson was interviewed by a Swedish reporter, and the interview was great. I'm not knocking it. It's just that when Carlson was asked about Pittsburgh being a favorite and, you know, which way he might be leaning, Carlson very understandably hedged and steered clear of it even though you could tell the interviewer was on to something now hey you know you can just say it like it is because there's no way that this occurred considering he has a total no trade clause without not just his consent but also uh, his enthusiastic approval possibly his outright selection depending on the perspective or depending on how many teams were there at the end. And I'll say it again, that's cool. It's very, very cool to picture Carlson in Pittsburgh getting ready to play for the Penguins. He is a performer at that level. He is an acquisition worth getting extra excited about. This is not something that you, as a fan, will be able to enjoy on any sort of regular basis. You will remember this for years. But then, as with every other acquisition, when the season comes around, it's all going to come down to, did he or did he not make the difference in winning slash losing this game? I'm not sitting here questioning the value of of Carlson, I'm not questioning the value of adding him to this group. So what's really in play here is whether or not the entire roster is capable of breaking through, breaking back into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Here's what Kyle Dubas had to say a couple of days ago about his own expectations in that regard. I think it's just
1: the affirmation that we believe that they have a chance to contend and, and and compete for a championship. And there's a lot of work that has to be done. Obviously, the team missed the playoffs last year. There's no dancing around. But we've tried to supplement as best we can. And I know that there'll be lots of people that doubt the group, um, and rightfully so. I mean, we have to go out and prove it starting in the first day of training camp and building to where we want to get to. Um, so I think the doubts are fair. I think the criticisms are fair. Uh, we have our belief, and then it's about us to go and execute it. and if it, and and uh, that's on me uh, to lead the way and and get the group and, and the coaching staff and the players what, what I think they they need so it was a unique opportunity to add a player like Eric um, where you know obviously we had to part with some some assets but we gained more flexibility and added him on at the same time and I think that was the the message is is clear is that you know he's he's still an elite player as he showed last year winning the Norris Trophy uh, we have a chance to add him we're going to do it because we believe in the group
0: bit of a longer answer than I usually play on this show, but there's something about the way Dubas talks that I kind of like. He goes in layers, but he's also organized and meticulous, even as he comes across as being genuinely sincere and human. It's a neat thing. So take that for what it was. What you heard there was Dubas not once, but twice sounding I don't know, curiously defiant about the group that he's got? Maybe that's something that's coming from Mike Sullivan, because he's spoken in that tone more than once in the past, especially when anyone challenges the concept of the three core guys. But this is different now because it's a different roster. Did you know that eight players are gone from the team that, Got beat by the Rockford Ice Hogs in April. Did you know that? That's not quite half the roster, but it's close. So there are a lot of new names, a lot of new faces, a lot of new pedigrees. And they're being put into what will be for some of these guys new positions, meaning with the new team. Are they better than they were to finish last season? That to me isn't much of a mystery. They've added Eric Carlson. Okay, he does that all by himself. They're a better team. But remember that being a better team than that one just means they would have taken care of the ice hogs and squeaked into the playoffs. At which point, and I said this at the time and I'm going to say it now, they'd have been summarily dispatched as if they never participated. That's that's what that team was made out of. So the improvement that needs to take place is significant, and it's bigger than any one acquisition, even Carlson. Lars Eller, Noel Achari, Matt Nieto, they all have to become legitimate upgrades to the bottom six. I believe that it starts there. That's not that it's the top priority, but I believe that's going to be your first real indicator that this team is different than that one. Because those guys are going to have to look and feel different than who they replaced. Otherwise, it's just going to be more third and fourth liners out there killing time until the Sid or Geno lines get on the rink. You're going to have to see more mobility on defense. I hear again now, Carlson addresses a lot of that just by existing. But you're going to need to see... Offense created, not necessarily points production, but offense created by Ryan Graves. You're gonna need to see Graves show himself to be worthy of a top four slot. He did it in New Jersey, but he's gonna need to do it in Pittsburgh, and it might not be the same thing. And then of course we get to the top priority because he's always the top priority and he's going to remain the top priority, and that's Tristan Jari. If Jari comes in and looks the way he did at times a couple years ago, when he was legitimately showing for significant stretches as one of the top half dozen goaltenders in the league, evidenced by save percentage and games played and wins and everything else. And we're having a very, very different discussion then, aren't we? When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shots brought to you by Family Table Mom-inspired, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door. No prep, no mess, just reheat. That gives you more time for your family or hobbies. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. Use the code DK40, that's DK40, for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon Thursday for Monday delivery. Family Table, bringing families back to the dinner table. Nova Scotia, who asks, Hi DK, I am extremely excited about this trade. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch for sure, but they definitely could use another really defensive-minded defenseman in their group. People still talk about how old and slow Hal Gill and Rob Scuderi were, but they forget that both of those guys were on the ice for that last face-off when Marc-Andre Fleury made that save on Nicholas Lindstrom in Detroit. Who... Could the Penguins target for that role, or do you think they even have to? Daryl, my answer to this question would vary depending on the decade. That's what I've got for you. I would have said that no team could succeed at the level that that 2009 team did, and of course countless others, without having that uh, stay-at-home defenseman, that stand-tall Take you out at the blue line guy, clearing the front of the net, winning the big battles in the corners, going down to block shots. That was a big Scuds thing. But the game's changed. And the game has changed, I think, to the extent that there isn't a team somewhere that could just, you know, be the renegade and handle everything differently and shock the system. By that, I'm referring to the 2016 Penguins who flew in the face of everybody else being big and strong and tough by just flying around them and generating a zillion shots. Taking the hits, but then delivering the offense. This isn't that. The game has turned toward favoring. Offense, which is great for entertainment. I prefer it this way. But it's not so great for the Brian Dumoulins of the league. And I'm saying that about even peak Dumo. When Dumo was the best version of himself, 2016 and 2017, he was a vital member of those championship teams. Now, what gets forgotten is that he actually scored a goal, a pretty big one. (laughs) In the 2016 final. In the decisive game, no less. And he, through his skating, and through his smarts, and we can forget this now, but through his speed. This is a fast, fast guy. Considering his frame. Contributed more to the offense than might get noticed. That was why, in referencing Ryan Graves, as I did near the end of the opening segment today, I mentioned that he can... Contribute to the offense, though, not necessarily from a points production standpoint. What I mean is that he can engage, he can support a rush, he can even lead a rush. He doesn't have to end up with assists out of it. He's got to help you move the puck out of the zone. He's got to help you carry it into the other team's zone. Again, even if he's just skating alongside you as a decoy, Graves can do that. Graves is film from this past season in Newark will show that even as it'll show that he wasn't exactly running up a ton of goals and assists. Now to your point, and if you can tell here, I'm, I am i wasn't dismissing it at all and I'm not going to because when you have, my goodness, they're going to introduce Eric Carlson today at PPG paints arena. Okay. I'm just going to remind you of that. All right. But when you have Carlson, and Chris Letang, on your right side, it's kind of similar to what happened when those two were together in San Jose. You don't worry as much about having a super defensive guy like a Marc-Edouard Vlasic, who was playing behind them, although he had his own peak of his own career where he was really respected for that sort of thing. That's faded over time, and that's had a lot to do with the changing of the sport more so than Vlasic just disintegrating. If you're looking at this foursome that's on this defensive core with Carlson, Latang, Graves, Marcus Pedersen, what's left behind them is Chad Ruedel and P.O. Joseph and depth guys. Ruedel's not going to put up a bunch of points. He's also not going to embarrass you in the offensive zone. P.O., he has more offense in him than he's shown. Occasionally, he'll really flash. But I could see, at some stage of the season, if the Penguins were to, for whatever reason, struggle in something, let's say, specific, like penalty killing, where they would focus more on finding themselves a defensive-type defenseman, kind of like... And I know nobody wants to hear about uh, anything positive related to Ron Hextall, but kind of like what the Dmitry Kulikov acquisition could have been had Kulikov not gotten hurt almost right away. That kind of player stepping in and being that uh, take care of business in the final minute type of defenseman. That's not on this team, and I can't rule out that it wouldn't become a need. I appreciate the question. Very good one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow after Eric Carlson is introduced.